Well, today I'm talking, I'm going to be preaching on Job. Can we get the slide up, Jim? So this is part two of our series, People of Purpose. Who enjoyed last week? It was really good. I really enjoyed what Matt shared on last week about Ezekiel and about our need for the Spirit of God in our lives um, and just how we, we, without Him and without His, without His Spirit and His presence in our lives, that we are uh, incapable of living to the fullest, as Matt shared last week. And so this week I am, I'm talking about Job, or Job, um, it's Job, um, and <laughs> it's been a challenging week for me. It's been a challenging couple of weeks. I've, I've had this earmarked, I've had this kind of like sermon on my heart probably for the last two months now, um, and it just so happened that uh, the the theme of what I was feeling for this sermon really fitted in well with the character of Job, and uh, so it's been a it's been a really it's been a long journey kind of this sermon for me, and I I'm I'm really excited at, at the same time I'm feeling a lot of tension uh, in sharing this because you know who here has a fair understanding of what happens in the book of Job, yeah, and so there's a lot of um, it, it's not the brightest book in the world it's a uh, it's a book that um, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of um, there's a, just a lot of bad stuff that happens to Job, and um, yeah, it's it's a really confronting thing to read. I would I would say like if you haven't read the book of Job, read it. Um, it has definitely revealed things to me about myself, and it, and it's been a journey for me in in reading this. But we we see in Job the book is is broken up into. Uh, three pretty clear parts. You know, we have the first probably two or three chapters where you, you see Job is encountering a lot of bad things that happen. Um, and I'm going to read some of them later. But the, the, first, the first little portion of the book is a portion of uh, suffering and events that go down that aren't really nice. Um, and then the middle kind of portion of the book, this is the biggest section, is it's, a, it's about 30, 30 to 35 chapters of this sequence of Job uh, debating with his three friends and then his three friends telling Job what's going on in his life and then Job talking to the Lord and then it's this kind of, it's this tension of, you see Job is wrestling with what's just happened to him and it's 35 chapters of poetic wrestling uh, and it's it's about it's suffering and it's painful and he's questioning why why did these things happen to me, God you're not hearing me God you're punishing me why what's going on and, and it's a lot of uh, lamenting that is happening in the middle section of this book um, and, and then you see in the last probably like three to four chapters Job um, he he encounters deliverance and freedom in the Lord and so God God speaks to him in a whirlwind and he comes down and he speaks to him and he and he, and he uh, he confronts the questions that Job has had. And we see in the, in the last little section of the book that the sovereignty of God is on display. Um, because that's, that's probably the, the thing that I, for me most in reading this book has been seeing Job experience and wonder, um, is God really good? Does God really care for me? He's punishing me. What's going on? Because there was so much bad stuff that, happen, that was happening in his life. So if you want to turn to chapter one in Job... And I'm just going to read a little bit of chapter one and chapter two and just and some of the events and some of the experiences that he's had. Uh, but just before I do, I want to give you a little bit more context. So it, Job actually, this is, this is interesting because the positioning of the book of Job is right before Psalms, which would show that it's kind of like written a little bit later. But Job was actually, it, it said that, that it's, it's said to be that Job actually was alive and lived uh, before the Mosaic period, which means he was before Moses. And so 
I actually didn't find this out until the last month or so reading through this book that I, because in, in my mind, I was like, oh, Job was alive after Moses and, you know, after they came out of Egypt and all that kind of stuff. But it, it shows um, that uh, he was alive before Moses happened. And he was actually alive during the patriarchal stage, which is when Adam was on the, uh, sorry, no, Abraham was on the earth. Um, and so Job, Job is this man who is rich. It, it says here, uh, in, in chapter one, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and also his possessions were seven thousand sheep, three thousand camels, a whole bunch of whole bunch of kind of that kind of stuff. And it goes on to say that he had a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all people of the east. So you, you get a picture that Job is this man of success. He is this man that has everything that life could give him. He, he is rich, he has cattle, he has sheep, he has a big house, he has lots of sons, lots of daughters. He is the, the greatest of all people in the East. And uh, it goes on to say um, in verse 4 that he, his sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sister to, sisters to eat and drink with them. And so it was when the feasting had run its course that Job would send and sanctify them and he would rise up early in the morning and offer a burnt offering according to the number for them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did this regularly. What a father, eh? What an amazing man that knowing that he, he has everything and he, he's raised his children and seeing them spending and feasting and drinking uh, regularly. And Job, who is a man that is blameless and he is a man that is upright in the eyes of the Lord, he offers burnt offerings for the, for the sake of his children because he loves his kids. He doesn't want his kids to have possibly sinned against the Lord. So he's offering up offerings for them. He's taking, he's taking on, their, he's on, on their behalf, he is offering up sacrifices to the Lord to make his children blameless. What a man, what a man, what a heart for the Lord, what a heart for his family. And it goes on to say in verse six, now there was a day where the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? that there is none like him on the earth, blameless and an upright man who fears God and shuns evil. What a statement by God. What a statement by God. He, he, says to, he says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth? He is blameless and an upright man. Man, I, like when I, I like to think very visionary in my mind. And so when, I, when I'm reading this, I'm, I'm creating an image of what I think God would look like, what I think Satan would look like, and how God's boasting about Job from heaven to earth. And, and we have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords boasting about a man named Job. So he, he must be pretty good, eh? He must have his life together. He must be sorted out. He, he, he must be not just looking successful externally from what the world rates as successful, but in terms of his heart and in terms of his righteousness before the Lord, God's proud of him. God's boasting in Job. And then Satan replies to the Lord and says, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him and around his household and around all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands and his possessions 
and have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And when the Sabians raided them and took them away, indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was speaking, another, another servant came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands and raided the camels and took them away. And yes, they killed all the servants with the edge of the sword. And alone, I have escaped to tell you. And another, while he was still speaking, came to Job and said, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came across from the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell on the young people and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Wow, what a stretch. What a five minutes that Job has. What a disastrous, his whole life falling apart period of time that Job has. Can you imagine how he would have felt in that moment? The pain, the loss. You know, if he had just lost the oxen and the donkeys, you know, like, oh, it's okay, I I have sheep and I have camels. And then the next one comes and, and he's lost his sheep now. And then the next one comes and he's lost all of his camels. Like it, in, for, my, for me personally, if I was in that moment and I'd lost all of my possessions, you know, I, I would be upset. I, I would be, I'd be like, oh, that really sucks. That's, that's really hard. Like you would, you know, we, we don't, we don't have to, we don't want to worry about things of the world, but if everything you owned was taken away from you and stolen and burnt up, you'd feel pretty bad. But then we see here, the last servant comes and he says, your sons and daughters were eating and drinking. And suddenly a great wind came from the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and it fell on the young people and they are all dead. That would, that would tear me apart. I, I don't have kids, but I, could, I, I can't even imagine what that would feel like as a parent, how would that feel to, to, to hear that your seven sons and your three daughters are now gone on top of everything else you've just lost. Imagine the weight, the heaviness of knowing that. And it says in verse 20, and then Job arose. He tore his robe and he shaved his head and he fell to the ground and worshiped. He tore his robe, he shaved his head and he fell to the ground and worshiped. I don't know about you guys, but my I don't know if my first action would be that. Just honestly. I don't know if my first action would be experiencing all this loss. I shall arise, tear off my clothes, shave my head, and fall to the ground and worship. That verse for me has been probably the most challenging thing in, in, in the story of Job for me. I think for most people it is. You know, because you, you read in the later chapters that he 
he's lamenting and he's questioning and he's trying to find understanding for everything that's just happened. You know, which is stuff that we do. You know, we, we ourselves, you know, I, I can't, I, I can think of so many times that, you know, something just hasn't gone right. And I'm like, God, why, 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 why? Let me know why. And, and so that's like a normal response. But I think tearing off your robe, shaving your head and falling to the ground in worship is a pretty abnormal response. Or is it? Is it an abnormal response? You see, I think Job had an understanding. He had a knowledge of who God was. In this series, we're we're focusing on three main parts, three main points. The first point being encounter. The second point being identity. And the third point being commission. And I would dare say that, that Job is a man who knows his identity in the Lord. Because he's a man that experiences a greater loss so great that I can't even fathom how great the loss is. And his first, his first thought, his first action is to tear his robe, to shave his head, and then he fell to the ground in worship. So I would say he's a man who, who knows his identity in the Lord because he's a man that knows who God is. And you can't know who you are in God if you don't know who God is to you. And he goes on to say, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all of this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. He did not sin nor charge God with wrong. I remember when I first read that, I chuckled a little bit because, you know, you go back 10 verses and you read Satan saying like, does Job not fear God for nothing? Has he not, have you not made a hedge around him and blessed him and made everything in his life perfect? Surely he will curse your name if you take everything away from him. 10 verses later, in all this, Job did not sin, nor did he charge God with wrong. And you know, what I found interesting about that is that there's a difference between saying something and believing something. We all know that, right? You know, what you, what you speak with your mouth isn't always what you believe. And when we think about sin and when we think about um, our motives and our emotions, those are the things that we feel and then we often verbalize them. Sometimes, I don't know about, I, I do this. I'm sure that you guys might do this too. Sometimes what I feel isn't always what I say. And sometimes what I say isn't always what I feel. And so when we think about sin, you know, sin, uh, it's, it's not often what we just say or what we do, but it's the positioning of our heart to the Lord. And so it says here that Job did not sin nor charge God. And what I've, what I've realized is that not only did he not say anything bad to the Lord, but in his heart, in what he believed, he didn't believe anything against God, which is a really challenging thought. Because we so often, we so often want to project the, the things that we should believe about God, the things that we know to be true, but maybe we don't believe them. And then we go through a process where we, we project those things and where we say those things and then we force out and, and we feed ourselves back to believing them. But Job here, in a moment, in his heart, he doesn't have to say, oh God, I know you're good, even though I've just lost everything. In his heart, in that moment, he believes, oh God, you're good. And I, I will not sin, nor will I put this against you. Blessed be your name. Holy is your name. What a man. 
what a man that has this understanding. And it got me to think, you know, because we're, we're, trying, to, we're trying to take these people in the Bible and read their lives and read their stories and be able to apply it to us. And so the application of that for me was like, if I was in that position, would I be like that? Would I be so surrendered and so hold loosely the things that I have in my life that if I lost everything, would I fall to the ground, tear off my robe, shave my head and worship God? I'd like to say the answer is yes. Is it the same for you? Do you find that in your life now when you're thinking about, when you're thinking about everything that you have and, you know, and, and we're holding it loosely because everything is given from God, but if you lost everything, would your first motive, would your first motion, your first action be that of Job? Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He got me thinking. I um, A couple of years back, when I applied to do first year for the first time over in BSSM, I um, just become a Christian again and I was really hungry for God and I was like, God, like, yes, I'm following you. I'm going for you. Yes, yes, like I'm meant to do this. And um, so I applied and I remember I dropped everything. Like I, I applied and then I came back because I applied while I was still in America. And so I applied for BSSM while I was still in America. I was about to go into my final year of high school and I came back. I quit high school in the first week of year 12. Kids don't quit high school unless God tells you to quit high school. Then that's a conversation you can have with your parents. Still don't do it though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a conversation to have with your parents. But yeah, I came back first week of year 12, quit VCAL, quit my apprenticeship. I dropped everything. I quit football. Like I dropped everything. And because I was so sold out on going to BSSM, I was like, yep, this is it. I need to find a laboring job. I'm just dropping everything because in 10 months time, I'm not going to be in Australia. I'm going to America. Yay, God. And so I, I dropped everything in the first week. And then Saturday came, Sunday came, Monday came, wake up to an email. And guess what, guess what it says in the email? Not accepted. Not accepted. And... <laughs> uh, Back then, I believe that I found myself in a position that Job was in right now, you know, because I, I dropped everything, like everything, to not get accepted. That, it, it was just like a stab in my heart. Just this feeling of, like, I legitimately have nothing right now. Because I can't go back to school because I've signed the papers already. I can't go back to my job because I've already quit and they didn't really like me leaving because I was leaving for a God thing and they didn't understand. So I can't go back there. I can't go back to football because I've just done the same thing and I've just dropped out of the team. Like I, I've got nothing. And God, the one thing that I was doing for you, you've now taken it away from me. What do you think I did in that moment? Do you think I was like Job and I fell to my knees worshiping God because blessed be your name? Nope. Big fat no, big fat zero. It was... It was not like that. In fact, it was complete opposite. And I won't go into that because like, it's not what I'm talking about today. But in that moment, I had an opportunity in the midst of disappointment and in the midst of pain, in the midst of my circumstance, I had an opportunity to choose to still worship God. 
and to still bless his name because I know that he is good no matter what and because I know he has a plan no matter what and I know that he redeems no matter what. He redeems everything. He is good in everything. He is faithful in everything. And as you all know, I ended up going. I ended up going the year next and I've done the last three years and now I'm back. We all know the story. But, and it was so much better than what it would have been. So much better are his ways. And that's what Job says. If, you, if we flip over to like chapter 42 in Job, it, and we're not going to read it because it's a long thing. But he, he ends up saying, oh God, you have, you have blessed me more than I was already blessed. And God actually increased the amount of cattle that he owned. He increased the camels. He increased everything. He blessed him with more descendants. And Job ended up living for 140 years after this book was written. His life, after the story was completed, sorry, in this book, his life continued on for another 140 years. And he actually lived to see four generations of his family. So he saw his his kids, his grandkids, his great grandkids and his great, great grandkids. He lived to see that. After losing everything, God restores, God redeems because God is good and he lives to see it. But you see, for God, it's not not about, it, it is about giving everything back to Job, but it's about the position that Job held God in his heart. And that's the thing that God cares about. It's a position that we hold God in our heart when things don't go right in our lives. It's that thing of like, oh God, I've just, like, I've just lost everything. Everything I just wanted and what I believed you were saying and what I know you were saying, it, it was prophesied, you've told me and it's not there. What am I, what am I gonna do in that spot? What are you gonna do in that spot? What are we gonna do in that spot? When, when we feel like everything, when the ducks were all in a row and, and it's so God and God's so breathing on it, and it doesn't happen. What's the position of our heart in that moment? Do we choose to <laughs> tear our robe, shave our head, fall on our face and worship God? Or do we choose to partner with maybe a little bit of unbelief? Maybe a little bit of questioning God's nature and his character. Maybe a little bit of like, oh God, like, oh God. Where, where do we find ourselves in that pendulum? Because the reality is God does want us to have good things and he does want our dreams and our, and, and our desires to come true in our life. But he wants our desire for him to be more than those things. And for me, when I was applying for BSSM, as confronting as it is to say now, my desire for BSSM and to be over in America and be out of Melbourne was greater than my desire for God in that moment. And so is our desire for life and for the things of life greater than our desire for God, for more of God, for more of his heart, to experience him more in our lives. And that's where I want to leave us with today is in a position where we walk away not worried that bad things are going to happen. And we walk away not, not questioning God, but we walk away examining our hearts and we walk away examining our lives and thinking like, oh, is there anything that I'm holding on to too tightly? Is there anything that I'm, I'm holding on to to make happen over what God's will is for my life? And that it's not that his will might not be that thing, but he, he, he wants us to hold things loosely, like Job held loosely everything in his life, because he, he wants us to be blameless and upright like Job. He wants us to be people that in the midst of everything, 
still know that he is good and can still fall on our face in worship. So just in closing today, if you want to just um, close your eyes and just bow your heads, I'm actually, I'm going to play this song. And it's a, it's a song called Nothing Else. And I just encourage you that uh, as this song is played, I just want you to listen to the lyrics and, and, and just, if you feel like there's just something that's just in your heart that you just, you, you feel like you know you're holding on to. Or if you, if there's something that you've experienced in the past and, and, and you're like, you hold a little bit of like unbelief towards the Lord because of the bad experience that you had. I just feel like the Lord um, showed me this picture this week as I was preparing that he, he was bringing, he, he was bringing like this big bucket and it was this bucket where we could throw, I saw us throwing paper into this bucket and on the pieces of paper were written the things that we had written in an account against God or we had written in our hearts against God or the things that we didn't believe maybe would come true. And he, was, he invited us to throw these pieces of paper into this bucket and then he tipped a whole bunch of petrol on the bucket and lit it on fire and burnt it up. And I just feel like today as, as this song is played and as you just take a moment to um, reflect with the Lord that he's inviting you to a new level of surrender. He's inviting you to this place where like Job, maybe, maybe in the midst of trial and in the midst of uncertainty and in the midst of suffering, you can tear off your robe, shave your head and fall on your face, fall on your knees in worship. So we'll play this song and I'm just going to pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your heart for us. God, I just pray that we would experience you right now. We open up our hearts to you today, Lord. Come and have your way. In everything we do, in everything we say, come and have your way. In your name. I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. Oh, I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. just gone through the motions I'm sorry when I just sang another song take me back to where we started I open up my heart to you I'm sorry when I've come with my I'm caught up 
Yeah, God, we just want you in everything, Lord. We just want you. You're all that matters. Not the successes, not the triumphs, not the blessings. God, we just want you. We just want you. Just like Job. God, we just want you. Amen.